Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. A shooting at a Christian elementary school in Nashville, Tennessee, left three children, all age nine, and three adult staff dead. The shooter, a trans man, was killed in a shootout with local police who responded quickly and acted decisively, which likely saved more innocent lives. In the aftermath of the shooting, there was confusion as to the shooter's name, pronouns, and identity. The shooter was first identified as a woman, then trans, then as a trans man after their social media pages were uncovered. Adding to the confusion, relatives and acquaintances of the shooter also described them as her or she and used their female birth name. At the time of this recording, there remains a lack of clarity from law enforcement as to how the shooter self-identified. As a result, we will not be using either of the shooter's reported names or pronouns and will refer to this person as they, them, or the shooter. We explain this only to give you a sense of the chaotic aftermath of mass shootings, in which even those with the best intentions often unintentionally spread misinformation. I'm going to add this disclaimer here. This episode was really difficult to write up and organize, and talking about this one isn't going to be easy. We're going to do our best to be as accurate and honest and as, and as objective as possible and cause the least amount of harm. But we know this is a, this is a tough one. This is not easy to listen to either. And if you're not up for it, we'll understand. So I have three small children myself. I dropped the oldest off at kindergarten today and I felt sick. We live in Tennessee, two hours away from where the school shooting took place. Tennessee passed a law two years ago allowing for constitutional or permitless carry of handguns. Most adults, 21 and older, can now carry a handgun in my state without clearing a background check and without receiving any training whatsoever. Our governor, Bill Lee, absurdly claimed that this would, quote, make Tennessee safer. I try to remember the statistics of all of this, uh, the likelihood of one of my kids being involved in a school shooting or a mass casualty event like this is it's really low. Even at the Covenant School in Nashville, where this took place, most of the students and staff survived and were physically unharmed. But emotionally, what sort of long-term emotional scars will each one of these children and adults suffer? Who knows? And those are the stories that we just far too often don't hear about. We don't hear about the people who are wounded and survive, but are left physically scarred. We don't hear enough about the people who are just emotionally terrified and, and irreparably harmed and changed by being... Part of an event, a horrifying, terrible event like this. 
So once I start thinking about the emotional toll of all this, I forget the numbers. There's nothing comforting about how likely or unlikely experiencing this kind of tragedy personally is going to hit me or hit anyone else. And we're not doing enough to prevent these attacks. And the problem is getting worse, not better. We're raising a generation that has been normalized to view this as a possibility in their daily life. They have drills for this kind of thing. I remember the first time my son came home and told me that he had done an active shooter drill at his school. And it's like just the most terrifying thing in the world to think of that's the reality that these kids are growing up in. And we're not doing anything to change that, like you said. We're simply thinking and praying after each one of these attacks. And then we go on with our lives until the next one, which is, it seems like usually the next day. Yeah, I've been waiting for it. We got a message from our daughter's school counselor, just reminding everyone of the protocol in the event of a shooting at their school. It's gutting. It really is when you think about it and you think that like, you know, I'm a member of Generation X and while we had our problems in school, we didn't have anything like this. This is a level of terrible that we didn't have to go through. Kids after us didn't have to go through, but now it's become daily life and reality for every kid in this country that goes to school. And it doesn't matter if it's a big public school in Chicago, Illinois, or a small Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee. This problem hits everyone. It doesn't matter if there's NRA members. I mean, I went back and looked and it looked like the NRA held their convention in Nashville, Tennessee, at least twice in the last decade. So this is a very gun-friendly state, but this also happens in places where it's a lot harder to get guns and the gun control laws are tougher. So this is an epidemic and it's out of control. Yeah. Yeah. And let's also be clear here. We're recording this episode the day after the Nashville shooting took place, and this is way too early to speak to a lot of details on the shooter and their motives. A lot of information is going to come out between now and time we release this episode, so we're not going to go into too much detail on the shooting itself because that's not what this episode is really about. We mentioned details on the shooter's pronouns and the latest reporting about what they identified as early on because it it does relate directly to what this episode is really about. Because even though there's very little that we can say for certain right now, what we can tell you is what the right-wing ghouls on social media started doing the moment, the moment the shooter status as trans was reported on. They immediately began a demonization campaign aimed directly at trans people. Some of these accounts tried to get the hashtag trans terrorist trending, and I believe it was for an unspecified amount of time. And of course, Twitter's new owner joined the fray and amplified this horrible rhetoric. And we want to explicitly state also that we have no interest in defending or making excuses for the shooter. They killed innocent children. 
Their death at the hands of police probably saved more innocent lives, and we feel no remorse for what happened to them. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to make sure that we mention is that there are definitely some accounts that are now at least nominally or claiming to be on the left that are advocating violence or saying that this is, of course, this happened after you demonize trans people. Trans people are going to go out and commit violence because they feel threatened. And any person who is condoning or otherwise apologizing for any sort of violence is reprehensible. It's wrong. Yeah, we're not justifying violence on anybody's part here, whether it's somebody who is maybe a part of the trans community or whether it's somebody who might be a skull mask. This is not okay. Yeah. No. Don't condone violence. Don't call for violence. Don't explain why violence is justified. Stay away from violence. Mm -hmm. Call me a shit lib all you want to. Stay away from violence. Bootlicker, whatever I don't care if you think that makes me a shit lib. Yeah. Because when you go to violence, everyone loses. Everyone. Mm -hmm. Everyone. That is what we are trying to avoid here. If you are thinking that violence is a good idea and that we are somehow bootlickers for saying don't be violent, then maybe we are not the podcast for you. And I have no issue whatsoever saying that if somebody walks into a school and starts shooting kids and ends up getting shot by the cops, that is what happens and why we have police. Right. And... I'm grateful and thankful for the police officers who did their job. Mm -hmm. And it stands in stark contrast to what happened in Uvalde. And if it's my kids, by God, I hope the police are just as competent as the ones who went into that school in Nashville. Absolutely. Whoever you are have to understand that violence begets more violence. Don't call for it. Don't make excuses. Just condemn it. It doesn't matter who started it. No. Stop it. Condemn it, absolutely, full stop. And we are condemning it on, you know, obviously both sides here. And if, again, if you think that somehow that's a, a shit lib thing to do, then you're just not in the right place. No. Because this is what we sincerely feel about it, that this gets everybody killed in the end. This is not going to be a good road to go down. The whole history of everything we've done on this program is trying to get people to back away from that ledge as a country. And again, if you think that somehow arming people and going out into the streets is really the answer here, it's not. It is not. It is not. I will say we totally understand people who feel that they have to defend themselves. And that is a Mm -hmm. different argument and a different story. Not saying you shouldn't defend yourself. Nope. Not saying you shouldn't go out and buy a gun yourself. Not, I wish... And we both, I think, agree that there need to be less guns. There need to be better background checks. There needs to be more training. Mm -hmm. There needs to be reforms. There needs to be a ban on AR-15s and any assault-style weapon. Mm -hmm. And, of course, even saying the word assault-style gets you uh, condemned by the right. But it is the literal phrasing that the Nashville police used in this attack, saying that the shooter used two assault-style weapons. These are weapons of war. They should not be in the hands of civilians. And let's just point out that it is the weapon of choice for these attacks. The AR-15 is the weapon that people use when they go to commit this attack. They use the AR-15. Why? 
because it is the most efficient way to carry out an attack like this. Everyone knows yep. this, and that's why everybody uses them. That's the commonality here. Yeah. There are weapons that obviously pack a bigger punch, but if you are a single person who wants to inflict the largest amount of death and destruction in the shortest amount of time on the move, this is what is mm -hmm. used, and it's why it needs to go. It has very little utility for anything other than killing lots of people really quickly. It's great at that. Not really great for anything else. But I understand, and we are not saying you should not defend yourself. Nope, not in the slightest. But there are more intelligent ways to defend yourself than that. Who we're concerned about here is the trans community who is being unfairly targeted, demonized, and harassed by a bunch of right-wing performers who have no interest in the truth and no interest in preventing future gun violence. They'll talk about anything, rap fuck anyone, and misrepresent any event as long as they can avoid blaming the guns. They will, in fact, tell their audience to buy more guns. And their audience will, in fact, go buy more guns. Which, in many or perhaps most cases, they're not trained to use, they do not store properly, and which really only end up exacerbating the problem. I mean, we see that, too, all the time headlines of small children finding guns that are unsecured in their homes and either killing an adult or a sibling. Almost 10,000 deaths so far in the United States this year due to gun violence. Yes, half of those deaths are suicides, and that would be another notable benefit of figuring out how to get the number of guns in this country down, because it makes it not quite so easy to make that very irreversible choice. You and I may differ on this, but I am very much of the opinion that I don't think the Second Amendment is really interpreted fairly in terms of what the founding fathers meant when they wrote it. I think the idea of the well-regulated militia was a clear statement of intent in terms of, yes, we should have guns to defend ourselves if they are properly maintained and used by people who are trained to use them. The Third Amendment should have been how we do the militia. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But at this point, where we are today, the Second Amendment has been appropriated the way it has, and it's not going away. Nope. And my personal feelings, whether you should or shouldn't have guns, I don't I don't personally think we should take all the guns. I, I, I don't feel like that is right. I don't. And I feel like it's also... I understand why people have guns and feel the need to defend themselves, especially if they live in remote areas and or especially if they're in in areas of uh, high crime or violence. I understand that need and that fear. And I, I just regardless of how I feel, I don't think we're going to ban all the guns. It's just it's impossible mm -hmm. right now. Maybe maybe one day in this country we'll get there, but we're nowhere close and we probably never will be. But 
just because I think we we can't or won't get rid of all of the guns does not mean we can't do anything. It doesn't mean we can't do better than this. And we've got to stop sending kids to school and praying that they come home safely because that's that's where we're at. And there is absolutely a lot of space between essentially no holds barred, everybody who wants a gun gets a gun and banning every single gun that exists in this country. There is there's a lot of wiggle room in the middle. Right. We're not even trying. No, we are not. There are somewhere around 390 million guns in this country. That's 1.2 guns for every man, woman, and child that live here. And it seems that even if we stop selling guns tomorrow, if we stop letting anybody buy them in stores, there would still be enough guns in circulation that the idea that gun violence would go away overnight is just not reality-based. And it's going to take a real culture change for us as a culture, as a country, to get away from this. We're well past where a law is going to make a huge difference in terms of outcomes. I mean, I would be all in favor of banning the AR-15 tomorrow, but that's not probably going to happen either with the way things are. And even if they did, there's still you know, millions of them out there in circulation. Yeah, but I don't think enhanced background checks really has all that much opposition on the right or left. If you look at the polling, really, whatever party you vote for, do you want to be scared of what's going to happen to your kids when they go to school? And no, even if you were a proud gun owner and you believe that that is important to protecting you and protecting your family you can't be everywhere no with them and protect them from everything and protect them from any potential tragedy like this you are one person who can be in one place at a time and your kids your wife your your parents everyone you know is going to be out there in the world without you all the time so i don't think enhanced background checks are going to get all that much pushback by common people the politicians who receive A lot of money from the gun manufacturers and the NRA, well, they're the ones holding that up. Mm -hmm. Additional training should not, or at least requirements of of a certain amount of training every year or when you purchase a gun, doesn't seem like that big of an ask. It doesn't seem like it should be controversial at all. No. And empowering law enforcement to take guns from people who are deemed a legitimate risk and being able to keep those guns and prevent those people from purchasing more guns just doesn't seem like it really is going to get all that much pushback but they've they've gained some support and acceptance here and there but unless we get on the same page on a national level there's like you said really a limit to how much it's helping right So here are some of the claims that just going through Twitter and a variety of junk news sites, here's what right-wingers are saying right now related to the Nashville school shooting. The claim, trans people are terrorists. Reality is that there are very, very few instances of mass shootings carried out by transgender persons in the United States. It is certainly less than 1%. And based on all the available research we could find, we can count the number of transgender mass shooters in one hand. 
I think Benny Johnson got them all in his tweet. Yeah, in his in his single 280 tweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that of course Elon Musk amplified. It's worth pointing out here that according to the Violence Project, which tracks public mass shootings in the United States from 1966 to the present, over 97% of mass shootings that they track were carried out by men, and over 51% were carried out by white men. And who are the right-wing social media influencers primarily making these claims against trans people? Oh, that's right. White men. Yes. Benny Johnson, Jack Posobiec, Uh the usual suspects. The usual suspects. Yeah. All right. Claim. This is a hate crime against Christians or a, quote, Christian massacre. Reality right now is that we have no information on the shooter's motives. As of Tuesday, March 28th, 9.53 Pacific, 12.53 Eastern, there has been no release of anything that would tell anyone why. But that did not stop anyone on that side of things from running with this and blaming it on the fact that the shooter supposedly had an agenda, hated Christians, wanted to kill a bunch of Christians. You don't know that. Maybe that comes up. Maybe that's what comes up tomorrow or later on today. But you don't know that. And you all spread it. Immediately. Uh Uh-huh. That was the first thing you went to. Yeah. Yeah. Claim. This is stoichastic terrorism against Christians. But the reality is, again, we have no information on the shooter's motives. Christians are not being systematically targeted or attacked by the left or the mainstream media. Extremists who are, or in some cases call themselves Christians, are, in some cases, being called out for being extremists. This includes Christian nationalists and tradcasts or traditionalist Catholics who incorporate aspects of Christianity into their nationalist and often fascist rhetoric. Pointing this out is not suggesting that terrorism or violence should be carried out against them. And it's not being pointed out that they are being targeted here because they are Christians. It is because they are fascists or white nationalists. That's the issue here. Yes, who use religion as a cover Mm -hmm. to avoid scrutiny. And they are partly trying to make this attack, which, yes, the Nashville shooting did occur at a Christian school. And like you said, that may have been a factor in the shooter targeting this particular school. We don't know that yet. They don't know know that yet. But this is all about Christians are under attack and under siege. And you better not scrutinize us because... We're all Christians, and if you do, then you're, of course, part of the extremist left who just hates us because we're white Mm -hmm. and we're Christians. Yes. But this is what they do. It is potentially true. It is potentially true that Christianity played some role in this attack, and something potentially turning out to be true is good enough to run an entire disinformation op. And if it doesn't work out that way, then they'll just delete it later. Yep. Because again, that is what they do. This is not about anything other than finding a club to beat your political opponents with. Yep. And here we are. Every single day they go fight for the narrative, mm-hmm. as Jack Posobiec put it, and this is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And another claim that they've put out there is that if only 
we weren't funding the war in Ukraine and hadn't spent some some claims put it around 100 billion dollars that was the the tweets that I was looking at were saying if we if we hadn't spent 100 billion dollars on Ukraine we could have used that to defend our schools which one this is a private school and they did not have a school resource officer and that was their choice they could have hired one now in Tennessee I had to look this up, but apparently private Christian schools do receive a certain amount of money from the government. But let me just tell you, they're not going to stop doing that because we're funding Ukrainians. No, no, it's, it's one, it's just not related Two, the state can mandate that public schools have resource officers, but they cannot and do not control what goes on at private schools in this private school chose not to have one and that was a fatal choice and that is terrible and we are in no way blaming the private school for this but we are pointing out that this is two completely separate buckets of money and taking away money that is currently being used for defending ukraine against russia's war of choice isn't going to change a thing about how we secure our schools yeah It's a very simplistic argument to make. It is. It absolutely is. And these are the same people who are, of course, fighting for the autonomy and rights of Christians and Christian institutions. So are they also saying that we should mandate what private Christian schools do or do not do? Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think so. Almost sounds like something they just threw out there to maybe be a talking point rather than something they actually believe. Because they don't want to fund the war in Ukraine and they think maybe this will stick. So why not put it out there? Mm -hmm. All right. Claim. The testosterone the shooter received as a trans man made them more violent. Reality of that situation is that we don't know enough about the shooter and their particular medical history, their particular history with their gender identity to be able to say with any degree of certainty that this person has ever taken any level of testosterone or hormones. We simply don't know. Yeah, and I did look this up and I was curious, is there any scientific evidence to back that up? So even if the shooter did receive some sort of testosterone as part of their treatment from a licensed medical professional. Is there any correlation between that and increased violence? And there is not much available evidence on this. It has only been looked at in a small sample study, but the cases where it has been looked at, they have found no correlation between increased violence or significant changes in brain matter or behavior, which apparently they have actually seen in some cases with male to female transitions, but in female to male, there, at least as of this recording, there appears to be no clear scientific evidence backing that up. And Again, we don't even know if if that treatment occurred, but if it did, there's nothing saying it would have been relevant to what happened here. Right. So let's talk about the discussion that the right doesn't want to have. The one concerning their demonization and victimization of trans people and how that is leading to violence carried out against the trans community. 
Here's CBS News covering this topic in October of 2022. The number of trans people who were murdered in the U.S. nearly doubled between 2017 and 2021, according to data released Tuesday by the nonprofit Everytown for Gun Safety. Of the total victims, 73% were killed with a gun. Everytown's transgender homicide tracker found that there was a 93% increase in tracked homicides of trans and gender non-conforming people in the United States and Puerto Rico over the last four years. In 2021, 56 people were killed compared to 29 reported deaths in 2017. Notably, while only 13% of the transgender community is estimated to be black, according to UCLA School of Law's Williams Institute, black trans women accounted for nearly three quarters of known victims. Quote, bias motivated crimes are a real frightening problem in the United States and LGBTQ plus people continue to be targeted because of who they are, unquote, the Everytown Report said. In 2019, the American Medical Association recognized an epidemic of violence against the transgender community, who are over 2.5 times more likely than cisgender people, those whose gender identity aligns with the sex they were designated at birth, to experience violence, according to the Everytown Report. The report cited, quote, dangerous gun bills, unquote, as well as state legislatures passing a record number of anti-trans bills as creating, quote, an environment ripe for deadly gun violence fueled by hate, unquote. Last year was both the deadliest year for trans people and the worst year in history for anti-LGBTQ legislation, according to the Human Rights Campaign. While every town clarified that, quote, no single solution can stop gun violence in the United States, unquote, it recommended passing gun control laws and establishing a domestic terrorism office within the Department of Justice to curb the climbing rates of violence against trans people. According to the National Center for Transgender Equality's U.S. Trans Survey, the largest survey of transgender people to date, which was published in 2015, 40% of trans youth reported attempting suicide in their lifetime. That's nearly nine times the national average, according to every town. And with six out of every 10 suicides in the United States involving a gun, the epidemic of firearm suicide could have a disproportionate impact on transgender and adolescent members of the LGBTQ community, the Everytown Report said. There's no single cause for something like this, but the right wing's demonization of trans people is absolutely putting LGBTQ people under threat. Let's read from Anya Zalizowski's vice piece titled How 2022 Became the Year Trans Hate Went Mainstream. In so many ways, this year in particular has been devastating as trans rights face attack after attack. Even as victories for LGBTQ people mount, anti-trans rhetoric and legislation has not slowed down. And now, it appears GOP leaders and their supporters have manufactured a culture war over transgender and gender non-conforming identities. Hate targeting LGBTQ people, especially trans people and drag queens, has reverberated across the country and hundreds of bills targeting LGBTQ people have been introduced. About half of them have focused on trans people. States have also tried to equate gender-affirming care with child abuse. In Texas, the Department of Family and Protective Services was tasked with investigating families with trans kids. These attacks have turned physical. Drag venues have been repeatedly targeted by far-right protests and bomb threats. Hospitals offering gender-affirming care to minors have had to take their websites down due to threats. 
And earlier this year, a man walked into a bar and opened fire at an LGBTQ nightclub that was planning on all ages drag brunch as part of the Transgender Day of Remembrance the following day. Five people were killed, including two trans people. Many are scared about what's next. This year, a twisted feedback loop of anti-trans rhetoric begetting anti-trans policies and vice versa has paved the way for more violence against trans people. Right-wing commentators have turned trans people into a boogeyman for the, quote, traditional American family, unquote, while targeting them and gender non-conforming people in turn. At the same time, scores of policies from school boards to state governments have been introduced as lawmakers have seemingly done their best to fearmonger and stifle trans existence altogether. It's a circular situation where the end result is ultimately violence. If you demonize a certain group of people and your audience is essentially half the country, some people are going to act on that. We've seen this with gay people, Muslims, before that, black Americans. But the right clearly doesn't believe that's true, doesn't care, or is financially incentivized to change the conversation. Blame anyone and anything except the guns. Never the guns. The guns did nothing wrong, so to speak. Writer David Frum had a good point about this on Twitter. He says all developed countries have video games, single mothers, Ritalin prescriptions, and cases of gender dysphoria. Only one allows such easy access to guns, and in particular to guns so suitable for mass shootings. And that's the one that has so many mass shootings. I'm seeing some comments that antidepressant use is the critical variable that explains gun massacres. If so, Japan should have seen a massive increase in mass shooting, but no, it's the guns. Well, and even even Fox News blamed an open side door yesterday, which of course is a familiar talking point for them. And by the end of the day, the Nashville police had released their footage, the some edited footage of the shooter driving up to the school. Did they enter through an open side door? No, they walked up to two glass doors and fired into the doors, shattering the glass, which the shooter then pushed through any shards that were left and walked into the building. It's the shooter got in with the guns and didn't matter what was standing in the way. And a locked door is not an indefensible, unbreachable barrier. If someone with a gun wants to get in, they usually find a way. We're looking at the same situation, you know, I mean, the the locks on the door seem to work perfectly fine in Uvalde, and that didn't really help the situation at all. There's a common factor here. Guns. Guns. It's guns. Mm -hmm. Are you going to make all the windows bulletproof? I see another tweet here from a woman named Erin Hahn, Erin Hahn underscore author. Please stop acting like arming teachers is the answer. You don't even trust us to pick out books for your children. Yeah. Yeah. So remember that when people tell you, oh, yeah, let's just arm the teachers. Most teachers, they're not the people that this is a bad idea. Well, one, are are the teachers willing? Do they want a gun? Are they trained to use a gun? What's the likelihood of them not being trained properly or mishandling a gun? And how many kids are going to die from errant gunfire, either from 
an adult who isn't properly trained or a child who gets into a bag or a drawer that they're not supposed to get into. Mm-hmm. And if teachers are going to be given guns, it's almost certainly going to be handguns. And how is that supposed to stop an AR-15? How is an untrained person who may or may not have any interest in owning a gun or learning how to use it because they're uncomfortable with that. They don't, not everyone likes to have a gun. And how likely is that person to stop someone with a weapon of war who has shown up somewhere to murder as many people as possible? It's an absolutely terrible idea. And it's not being suggested by people who obviously have much of a grip on reality when it comes to what would actually provide a good solution here. Well, if the cops in Uvalde wouldn't go in with handguns and I assume AR-15s or other high capacity rifles, or I know they had armored vehicles, so I assume there were SWAT members who could have gone in, but whatever they had, the police in Uvalde who were trained, who had guns, did not go in. So how is a teacher? No. How is a teacher supposed to stop this? How is a door supposed to stop this? I don't even even if you even if you made all the windows bulletproof, if you fire into those enough times, eventually the the glass is gonna shatter. But there is just no way Uvalde had all sorts of they had security, they had fences up, they had all they had training, they had all of this that they had done to try and prevent this, and it still happened. Yes. It still happened. Didn't change a thing. And it really comes down to the guns. It comes down to the idea that this is the common factor in all of these is the fact that there are so many guns out there in this country. And they are too easy to get and far too difficult to take away, even when there is clear evidence that that is warranted. Yes. So we can get lost in the statistics of this a little bit and forget that there are real people and real victims whose lives have been lost here. I want to read from this list on Wikipedia. It's a section titled list of people killed for being transgender. 2022, Cherry Bush, a homeless 48-year-old trans woman, was shot to death in Los Angeles. Her alleged killer has been charged with a hate crime. Ariana Mitchell, 2022, a 17-year-old black trans girl from Virginia, was shot and killed by 19-year-old Jimmy LaShawn Williams with an assault rifle after he asked her if she was transgender, and she replied, yes. Doski Azad, a 23-year-old Kurdish transgender woman, was murdered by her brother for being transgender. Brayla Stone, 17, was murdered in Arkansas in June 2020 by a man seeking to conceal his sexual relationship with her. The killer pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 50 years in prison. Michelle Michelle Ramos Vargas, a 33-year-old trans woman who was found dead on an isolated road after being shot multiple times on 30th of September 2020 in San Germán, Puerto Rico. She worked as a bartender and was studying to become a nurse. Selena Reyes Hernandez, 37, was fatally shot in Chicago, Illinois on 31st of May by a man she went home with after telling him she was transgender. 
Alexa Luciano Ruiz was fatally shot in Puerto Rico on February 24th, 2020, after an incident in a local restroom. Ms. Luciano was killed while the assailant men laughed. Kelly Stowe, 36, this is 2018, a black trans woman was murdered in Palmer Park, Detroit in December. Albert Weathers, 46, a preacher, has been charged with her murder, and prosecutors claim her gender identity was a motivator. Jessica Mendez Cavalcanti, a 24-year-old trans woman, was surrounded by two young men and fatally stabbed to death in the Kana neighborhood of Uberlandia on April 19, 2016. One of the suspects who was apprehended by police confessed that they had committed the crime because Cavalcanti was transgender. 2019, Nikki Kunhausen, a 17-year-old trans girl, was murdered by David Baganov. Her body was identified from decayed human remains on Saturday, 7th of December, in the Larch Mountain area near Vancouver, Washington. Authorities were able to identify the body as Kuhnhausen from her personal effects. Subsequent examination showed she died from strangulation. Kunikan had previously been missing since June 5th when she left with David Baganov, a 25-year-old male who has since been charged with second-degree murder. Alicia, a 23-year-old transgender activist, was shot seven times and died on May 25th, 2016, in the Lady Reading Hospital in Peshawar, Pakistan. Hospital staff spent over an hour determining whether to place Alicia in a male or female patient ward. Fellow transgender activists reported being taunted as they waited for Alicia outside the emergency room. There is a long list, and we could just keep going, but these are some of the human beings that have been killed because somebody got upset about who they were. This is what can happen to you. This is what these people have to face every day. No wonder they're scared. And honestly, in most cases, the large accounts, the major influencers have their own agendas and reasons for this, whether it's money or hate or what have you. But the the average people who agree with them and go along with these hate and smear campaigns are generally doing it, I think, because trans people make them a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I really think that's the extent of it. It just gives them a weird feeling or vibe, and they just don't like it because it's different. And that's enough to say, yeah, libs of TikTok, keep going. Mm -hmm. And it's just such an easy and convenient other for these people that yep. between the amount of demonization that they've heard both in the media, state legislatures in a lot of cases, the social media they consume, to them it's not a hard lift at all to get them to the point where they think these people are bad and need to be destroyed. Yeah. And it's really something to see how some of the people on the right, some of the big influencers decided to spin this. Looking at Jack Posobiec's timeline here from yesterday, where it was, if you go and you search on his timeline under Christian Massacre, assuming he didn't delete it all, he's got multiple tweets of calling out people, various other religious people, mostly Catholic priests here from the looks of this, that didn't say enough about the, quote, Christian massacre in Nashville yesterday. So it's clear that this is what the guy's trying to push as a narrative here, that this this person did this because they were Christians. Based on... Nothing. 
again, nothing, no evidence. And now people will probably email and call and, and complain on social media to those various accounts and say, why aren't you doing more? Why haven't you done enough? Why haven't you called this out? Because they demand that you follow their attack lines and their arguments and their narratives immediately mm-hmm. the moment they start spreading them. And if you don't, if you wait five minutes or a day or three days or however long it takes to get the full story out there, which is just how the world works. There are absolutely people in law enforcement and journalists who are attempting to get the facts straight right now, but it takes time. And these people don't care about that. They don't want to take time. They want to control the narrative Mm -hmm. and they want, to push their agenda to the forefront. And if you do not align with that, you are the enemy and there's a target on your Mm -hmm. back. That's the whole thing we're getting at here. It's all about who the next target is. And it seems like right now, if there's not a new person to jump on in this moment, their go-to, their fallback target is trans people. It seems like it's been that way for at least a year now, and it's repetition, repetition, repetition. And it's been, one would say, not necessarily an electoral success for them, because this is definitely something they were harping on before the 2022 midterms, and we saw that they didn't get the result they were looking for there. But it's definitely radicalized a certain portion of their base on this issue. And I think that's probably the goal for them right now. I think they'll figure out the rest later or figure out what they can do with that energy at a later date. And God, yeah, just, just the, the human toll of this, the lack of care or interest in what this does to society at large. I know they don't care. I know they don't care and it's baked in, but Sometimes they just go to such lengths and extents that, you know, they think, oh, this is perfect for us. And this was this story, this attack line is red meat for all all sorts of different narratives they want to sell. They can't prove any of it and they don't care and they're going to keep going. And it's it's just reprehensible. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. But it helps them control the narrative. It helps them sell my pillow. It helps them make their particular grift work. And these people are so married to the grift that they will say and do anything at this point to keep that going. And this is just the latest example. It is. And I think if you really dug down into it and really made them think about it, they're just as scared for their kids and their safety and their future in this world where the violence is getting worse and the problems are growing. And I think most of them probably realize that they're not getting any closer to solutions, but they're going to sit there and send their thoughts and prayers and hope that it doesn't come back to bite them in the ass. And I don't want that. I don't want anyone's kids to have to experience this or experience the fear or the pain or the long-term consequences of this. So I'm not wishing that on anyone. I'm just saying that 
it would be nice if a, a bit of humanity would seep through and they would stop and say, you know, I'm scared too. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to be safe too. And maybe, just maybe. Maybe this has gone entirely too far and we need to come up with some solutions. But they won't. And they aren't. And we have to find a way to push forward with a better future anyway. And we're certainly going to try. Indeed. And regardless of what you think about President Joe Biden, he's right about how to handle this. I know that we can't prevent every tragedy. But here's what I believe we have to do. Here's what the overwhelming majority of American people believe we must do. Here's what the families in Buffalo and Uvalde in Texas told us we must do. We need to ban assault weapons in high-capacity magazines. And if we can't ban assault weapons, then we should raise the age to purchase them from 18 to 21. Strengthen background checks. Enact safe storage law and red flag laws. Repeal the immunity that protects gun manufacturers from liability. Address the mental health crisis, deepening the trauma of gun violence and as a consequence of that violence. These are rational, common-sense measures. Here's what it all means. It all means this. We should reinstate the assault weapons ban in high-capacity magazines that we passed in 1994 with bipartisan support in Congress and the support of law enforcement. Nine categories of semi-automatic weapons were included in that ban, like AK-47s and AR-15s. And in the 10 years it was law, mass shootings went down. But after Republicans let the law expire in 2004, and those weapons were allowed to be sold again, mass shootings tripled. Those are the facts. A few years ago, the family of the inventor of the AR-15 said he would have been horrified to know that its design was being used to slaughter children and other innocent lives instead of being used as a military weapon on the battlefields, as it was designed. That's what it was designed for. Enough. Enough. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word for, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as DNW Pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.